We are live. It was already live when you were messing around with that. On my end, it said this broadcast is live. Oh, well, I hit the button, so whatever. And we're back to uh, having no people watching immediately. But wait, we'll see how many seconds it takes for somebody, because I know that somebody is probably watching right now. 22. Uh, now there's two. So after 22 seconds of being live, it registers the people that are here. Three. Three people are watching live. You know what that means. Time for the intro. Damn right. Here we go. Covered or Covered is a podcast that features two idiots talking about music at length, and occasionally a dog does make an appearance. There will also be special guests from time to time that will show up, and they will be smarter than the hosts. And the hosts will give their opinions. By the way, they are exactly that. Opinions. They are not truths, they are not fallacies, and they do not reflect the views or opinions of their employers or those they employ. So with that, just enjoy the damn show. I love that the Iron Sheik made an appearance in the intro. Gotta pay tribute to the Iron Sheik, the now uh, former late Iron Sheik. The uh, former late? Well, he's well, he, the uh, former living. Former Iron living Sheik. Iron Sheik. He's not. Yes, he's currently late. Yes, He'll continue to be late forever at this point. Yeah, um, but he may make a comeback. Where there's always, you know, at his wrestling, you never know. But uh, we're pretty sure he's actually dead. Yes. So uh, Iron Cheek was a big part of my up my upbringing when I was a, you know, uh, in my single digits in my uh, my tweens, uh, uh, growing up watching WWF as it was known then, not WWE. And every Saturday at like 11 a.m., I used to watch it, and, and Iron Cheek would be on there, and he was always having wars and calling everybody jabroni, and and just uh, he was definitely a character. Then I got to meet the Iron Sheik. Oh, you met the Iron Sheik. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's he was, amazing. Uh, he was a piece of work, and uh, he was exactly as you would expect him to be. He kept his persona on. And the thing is, like, this was back in the days when you could smoke in bars, and he had just done a show at this multi-purpose uh, amusement thing you know it was like there was roller skating there was a small arena there was video games wall climbing well all this other stuff right by where i used to live and there was a bar and they always used to have like you know a pound of wings for like a dollar or something like gotta that love that Monday. yeah and sue me and a few of my friends were there on this one particular night having some drinks and then he had just done a wrestling thing there and came up as a usa and like doing his whole thing in front of everybody and he wouldn't take pictures like somebody had a camera like, I, take no I get ten dollars every picture you know just like <laughs> doing his thing which was hysterical and uh and and then he he smoked too so he was like having a beer smoking a cigarette asking people to buy him drinks it was just amazing love it Oh, yeah, it was exactly as, like, you kind of heard him in his later years on Howard Stern. It was kind of just like that. And uh, God knows if if 
if that was actually who he was, you know, maybe it was at that point. But uh, no, the, the, the question is, did he give me the camel clutch? Uh, no, he gave me the colon clutch. <laughs> With all those wings. Actually, a colon <laughs> cleanse. Um, <laughs> yeah, because Gall McCartney is right. The wings were not market price. Gall McCartney uh, uh, privately sent me a message that said, I was in the same intro as the Iron Sheik, a real honor. Yes, of course. And Gino Vanelli. <laughs> and Gino Vanelli. Which, I mean, I feel bad for Iron Sheik and Gino Vanelli because Gall McCartney definitely brings down the quality of the intro with with you know his face so uh if with if, if you're coming to detroit uh for the gino vanelli show still if that's still the plan we oh should, it's it's a plan we should do the show we should do cover to cover live from, from the gino, gino yeah right in the lobby just set <laughs> up right in the like on on phones yeah or, we, no, we we'll just bring that. everything we'll just bring everything i'll bring the whole apparatus yeah all right well, you've got a laptop right yeah, I mean, I could do it. It's, yeah, you know. let's do it. Let's right. see how long before uh, Gino Vanelli's tour manager Ross Vanelli comes out and tells us to get out of the uh, the lobby of the venue. I thought the the uh, road manager was Jelly Vanelli. Jelly Vanelli, that was very <laughs> dad joke of you. You know what? Shut up. Here's the that? thing, though. I meant to tell you, I don't know if I can still commit to Gino Vanelli because a, a, another amazing show got announced on the exact same day what, here in Detroit. What show? It, it is. Are you ready for this? I'm might ready be, for This it. might be the greatest bill of all time. I, it can't be. It's uh, Juvenile, the rapper, uh, Lil John, and Ludacris together. All right. The last two are pretty, pretty cool. Um, but you would miss Gino Vanelli for this? I don't know, man. It's that's a pretty solid bill. You know what? You could. You, all right. Here's how I would look at this, and and shame on me for saying so, but um, I feel like you live in Detroit and you'll die at that show. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. I just, you know, I've avoided going to R and B shows and hip hop shows because it always seems like somebody gets injured. This is like out in the. Uh in the uh suburbs so i'm sure there's going to be metal detectors and such but like when uh right before he passed when dmx came to the legendary saint andrews hall i wanted to go to that too and uh that was definitely a concern that i might not make it out alive. <laughs> well any, any show at saint andrews I yeah right guess. not harpo's anymore or saint andrews harpo's still harpo's, harpo's is still yeah they they uh, for those of you that don't know they haven't been in detroit like harpo's and st andrews would have like security like watch your truck while you played because there was a really good chance of it disappearing yes or at least being broken into one of the two and there's there's a long list of bands that had all their stuff taken at those shows prior so what? Yeah. One of my favorite lines ever, Gary Holt, one of the times he was at the shop, somebody said something about, about seeing Exodus at Harpo's, and he said, you know, I've played all over the world, including clubs in third world countries, and Harpo's is still the worst place I've ever been on the face <laughs> of the earth. Yeah, yeah. But you got to play there. Yes. You kind of yes. have to play there. You don't drive your car there. You, you, don't, you don't hang out long afterwards. You, you definitely don't hang out outside. Yeah. You don't. You just you go in, like if you smoke, you'll quit, um, you know. <laughs> or you'll just no. You you just smoke inside because that's what everyone does, even though no. you're not supposed to. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> 
All right. Well, my name is Mike Venezia. That is Nick Morocco. We just got through our little preamble here that was unintended. But hey, Iron Sheik and Shows in Detroit and Gino Vanelli. Um, and Harpos. And Harpos, uh, which is part of Shows in Detroit. So thank you very much. Uh, Nick, what store do you own? Rock City Music Company. And where are you located? Five Mile and Farmington in uh, at the corner of Five Mile and Farmington in Livonia, Michigan. And where can we find you? RockCityMusicCo.com and all social media platforms. Wonder Bar. And how's business? It's all right. And what's your favorite color? Uh, red. Okay. Is it really? Yes, I would say so. Okay. Well, because they say black's not a color, right? It's the absence of color. but Okay. Yeah. So the absence of color is my favorite color. Okay, there you go. So you just don't want color. Yes. Racist. <laughs> gotcha. He did get me. <laughs> oh, I should plug. Uh, I should plug for those uh, down yeah, plug and dirty things for your for your for your store. Things are things are happening. Yeah. Things one th one thing though that I told you about hasn't been announced yet. I'm so not don't talking say about it. that. Okay. All I'm right. not talking about that. But I mean, you have this adrenaline fest or whatever is happening this weekend that you're sponsoring. <laughs> or, I don't know what the hell it's called. It's uh, it's called Astronomicon. This that, is say I was close. This is uh, number six and a half. Normally they do one a year, but uh, those in Detroit may know Astronomicon. It's a pretty, pretty uh, uh, well-attended uh, Comic-Con. Tons of guests, wrestlers, um, you know, celebrities, all kinds of stuff. Well, earlier this year when they did it, the big guest that they had coming was, uh, was uh, Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith was en route to uh, Astronomicon for the fest, and... Uh, we got nailed with like one of the worst snowstorms we've had in 15 years and they shut the airport down so kevin smith didn't come so all these people like five six hundred people that had vip tickets and meet and greets and all that they were like what the hell so kevin agreed to make a special trip in june to do this so they're they're doing an additional one tons of great guests um and it's put on by the guys from uh twisted they're big uh they're big comic guys and funko guys and we had a great time when we were there in march we brought uh blother from guar in and this time we are sponsoring lita from the wwe my phone number is 631 oh. <laughs> you already have it just give it to her that's yes right. there you yeah. go and then also coming to rock city music company yes. uh, on july 6th you can meet buck cherry you can get a signed record ticket. The ticket includes a signed record, a signed poster, and your picture with the band. So Exactly. So if you hate somebody, buy them a ticket to this event, <laughs> as this will be punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That's kind of awesome. So are, you yes. gonna, are, are they going to perform, too, or no? They're not. They're, uh, this is the, they actually agreed to do this, and they have like eight shows in a row previously, and then they oh, have wow. five shows in a row after. So it was a bit much to ask them to perform too. But um, we're still we're still happy to have them. I think it's going to be a good time. Hey, maybe they'll just grab a couple of acoustics and do a live acoustic version of "Lit Up" and something like that, or "Crazy Bitch" or some or, other song, or their cover of uh, uh, their cover of "Summer of '69." Does that belong in Discovered or this song sucks? <laughs> I don't I think I'm at I, I don't I don't think I'm at liberty to say. You have to take a neutral position yes. on everything, whether you love it or not, right? Yes, exactly. It, yes. Because Except, but they're coming I, to your store. I actually uh, I've listened to it a bunch and I can't figure out if I like it or hate it. I'm not all right, well all right. Well we know Joshua Todd is watching this, so um, you know, Josh, it's all good. Um, we love you. 
So great, yes. awesome. That's very cool happenings. And then hopefully next show we'll be able to announce something else. Um, yes. But the next show won't be for like three more weeks because every show that happens that Nick goes to is on a Wednesday. Oh, yeah, it's just me. Too. I didn't say it was just you. <laughs> I said every show you see is on a Wednesday. This seems to be true. Am I wrong? Uh, you're not completely wrong. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's several Wednesdays. There's been Bruce... There's been this one. There's been George Gershwin. I don't know who else you've been <laughs> you, seeing. You'd be very excited to know who I missed the show for last week. Oh, who'd you? Wh what? Are you ready? We, we didn't do a show last week. Right. Who I missed the show for. Because remember, oh, you wanted. Yes, you wanted to come back. Yeah. And you were like, no. Yeah. And I said, I'm telling you right now. Uh, I attended. Are you ready for this? Matchbox 20. Wow. I, I, I think I'm insulted. <laughs> you, I actually think I'm insulted. You shouldn't be. I am. I'm Why? a little insulted. Like, well, Rob Thomas isn't even in Matchbox 20 anymore. Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah, he, he is. is. All right, so you pick Rob Thomas over me. Who wouldn't? Many people. Hey, he's got the kind of loving that could be so smooth. That's true, but it's not Santana. <laughs> Right. I was did mad. Did they play it anyway, though? They did not. And in fact, right. in, in between the songs, I had to be that guy and I yelled, hey, do play smooth. smooth. Of course you did. I was that guy. Well, I'm glad that you didn't get your wish because you didn't do the fucking show. <laughs> it was worth it, though, because I'm not crazy. I'm just a little unwell. Wow. It's, <laughs> it's 3 a.m. I must be. <laughs> um,. Anyway, uh, great. So that's happening. Next week, you're going to see uh, Elvis. Elvis. Presley. Elvis Presley. No, Elvis Costello. Oh, oh, the other one. And the imposters. Well, there's that. Um, look, Snowball's leaving already. He's already done. He's, he's had it. Who is that? I know who it is. Okay. You have to tell me off air or in the, a, in the private chat. He's a little, um, well, his name is very indicative of what he likes. If you've seen Clerks, you understand. I've seen Clerks. Speaking yeah. of Kevin Smith. Speaking of Kevin Smith. All right. So with all that said, let's get on with uh, other parts of the show. What are you listening to? Uh, currently spinning. Um, I picked up. I've been buying those um, five CD, like those cheap five CD sets from all, all like the classic bands. Have oh, you seen yeah, them? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can get these things for a steal. They're like twelve bucks, and you get like the the all the best albums of the band's catalog. Yeah. Um, but I picked up some of people that were I didn't own anything, or I was just curious about the band because they're so cheap. Now I'm a big fan of the Monkees, um, but Michael Nesmith. There's a five disc Mike, Michael Nesmith set of when he had the first national band, which is the stuff he did after he left the Monkees. And uh, some great stuff. The first record called, um, hang on, called Magnetic South. Um, great record if you're into the Flying Burrito Brothers or the Eagles or, or, or the Birds, any of that stuff. Um, right up your alley. Great stuff. I think he kind of got pigeonholed, obviously, with the Monkees. So when he left the Monkees, he didn't do anything that sounded like the Monkees. But if you can look at it objectively, I think it's great. Let me get this straight. You say he was pigeonholed by the monkeys, and now he sounds like the eagles, and 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 who else? Oh, and the birds. And the birds. Got it. I'm I'm seeing an avian theme. 
Here's the through thing. All of this. Here's the thing. That record was way, was before the Eagles. So I guess maybe the Eagles sound like Mike Nesmith. He out eagled the Eagles. Yes. There you go. Uh, so I've been playing that. Uh, the new Bob Dylan release, Shadow Kingdom, which is really cool. Uh, re-records of a lot of his classic tunes that he did during COVID. There was a live stream uh, that they did, and that's this is the soundtrack to that. I'm always talking about Butch Walker on here. I got a great CD copy of Ready, Sex, Go from his first band, Marvelous 3, uh, which is straightforward, cheap trick, rock and roll. Uh, and then also, Mike, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but uh, Reggae Kiss, are you familiar? It's exactly what you think it is, sir. Say it again. Reggae Kiss. Okay. It's... Ray, a reggae band doing kiss songs yeah is this sort of like a like a like a dread zeppelin kind of thing or no this is straight like it's not well i mean obviously it's a novelty thing but i was yeah. gonna say it's not like it's not jokey the the arrangements are actually really good and the the performances are good the vocals are great um and totally what uh, Nick, if, can you let me in, please? It's it's Fat Gene Simmons. Uh, I'd like to dis I'd like to discuss this for a moment. If if you have a minute on your show, I just want to interrupt and say, we did not sanction reggae kiss. It was supposed to be punk kiss. We have mini kiss and we have mini kiss golf, which you can play thirty nine ninety nine. At the Rio Hotel. Fifty nine ninety nine probably. One hundred and six ninety nine. <laughs> the price has just gone up. We just realized financially we need to make double profit to survive. <laughs> um, and when I say survive, I mean buy yet another home. So <laughs> I'd like to say to Reggae Kiss, we're going to sue you and then make you part of our catalog. We're going to own you and then take all of your proceeds and put it towards more mini golf sponsored by kiss and also cease, we're gonna have cease and de kissed yes exactly that is exactly what we are saying here please speak with our lawyer uh, <laughs> they're from the firm dewey cheatham and how <laughs> anyways reggae kiss pretty phenomenal three albums worth of stuff and even uh, some deep cut kiss stuff there you go all um, right the deep cut so you've been listening to that on the regular yeah, actually, I'm really impressed with it. I, I mean, you, you know, I like, I like that stuff. So, um, to to see the two worlds come together is pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Maybe it'll wear off after a week or two, but I, I thought it was good. So this is what it's like when worlds collide. You got it. Are you ready to go? <laughs> how about all the people that have to go? You know, that's Rob Zombie's younger brother. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, I don't know if that legitimizes it or not, because <laughs> that album was good. I don't care whose brother it was. It was a fun album. You know, right. Well, you know more about that than I do. That's the, I only know that song because of uh, Sean Palmer's pro snowboarder on uh, PS2. Yeah. OK, fair enough. Um, are you ready to go? Pay me. Pay me. Is that what he says? <laughs> no. Are you ready to go? What you gonna do? Pay me, pay me. That's what I thought he was saying. Baby. Oh, it's baby. 
Baby, baby. Baby. Who said, pay me, pay me. That's Gene. stupid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the rest All of the song is just so, it's just so brilliant. I'm ready to go. What you're going to do? You're going to pay me. Pay me. Yes, that's, that would be... That would be what it should be. Anyway, uh, I'm not listening to that. I've been listening to the uh, this album. <laughs> so on the road, I get to visit other record shops, which is kind of fun. And uh, when I hit the Northeast, especially New England, there's lots of, of stores called Newberry Comics. And Newberry Comics is a, a chain of stores that usually gets their own runs of albums because they're, they're so big and so influential. And they're usually re- really kind of cool. For a chain store, they have a really good selection of, of, of items. And they've dabbled and used. And I picked up, I went there, they had, uh, and they also have discount bins where they like deeply discount things that I guess have just been sitting around a while. So I picked up the second Dead Cross album. And at the same time, I picked up 20 hits of Motown. Yeah. And I walked up to the counter with both of them. I said, excuse me, do you give an award for the most schizophrenic selection of albums purchased at one time? <laughs> and the dude looked. He's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, I, I know, man. So, uh, so I have not been listening to the Dead Cross, but I have been listening to that 20 hits of Motown, 20 years of 20 hits of Motown. And it's, it's great. It's Marvin Gates. It's... it's uh, 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 Stevie Wonder, probably. Stevie Supremes. Wonder, Supremes, uh, uh, Commodores, Temptations. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Pop was a Rolling Stone. Like all the, you know, all like those hits. Um, and uh, uh, Smokey Robinson. So it's it's really, really cool. Great, great two LP compilation that was in great shape. Uh, best 10 bucks I spent that week, I think. So it was totally worth it. So was it used? It was used, yeah. Oh, okay. It was used, but it was in fantastic shape from you know the late seventies. It's like perfect. And then also, and I know we're going to talk about this album more than once. Uh, the new Foo Fighters record has been on constant, constantly spinning. Um, it's called "But Here We Are," and we'll give our review on that. As I'm guessing, it's going to be our choices. I, it's at least one of our choices yes. in the best of 2023 so far. So we'll we'll get to that in a moment. Um, so what's coming out this week? Though? Speaking of what's, what we're listening to, what are we going to listen to? So uh, I p- picked a handful of things that I think are right up both of our alleys. So okay. I, it, seems like, it seems like you can set your watch to Motorhead putting something out. So there's a new <laughs> Motorhead live album, Live at Montreux 2007. It's the first time it has been released. And what I found interesting about it is apparently it includes a cover of Rosalie by Thin Lizzy. Wow. Okay. So that could be solid. I mean, okay. you know, it could be. Motorhead Live was something to witness. And if you didn't witness it, I don't know what you were doing because you had a lot of opportunity because they were constantly on the road. Yeah, well, that's why there's all these albums coming out. So. Yes, exactly. Um, but I'm sure that, I'm sure it's going to be great. Like I said, brand new, uh, brand new in the sense that it's never been released before. Uh, Gary Moore still got the blues getting still reissued currently dead still currently dead one of my favorite guitar players maybe my favorite guitar player of all time uh still got the blues tons of great covers on there including the title track which is uh just a fantastic performance on the instrument of guitar and this is uh comes out on green vinyl limited number on green vinyl like him or hate him he had the best trill in guitar that not just the best, the fastest. Like, yes. I don't know how he could do it like that. I and he even... did it, and he did it with these two fingers somehow yeah. instead of the, instead of like this. I don't. It was it's bizarre. Like like this. 
which you're not supposed to do. It's like with your pinky or with this finger, not with this finger. Like, yeah, okay. not with this finger. He definitely, in my opinion, had the greatest guitar tone of all time. I don't know if I agree with that. That you don't have to because I already yeah. know I'm right. So. Your, your taste in guitar tone is squarely in your mouth. I've said this before. Yeah, because so. aren't you somebody that likes Randy Rhodes' guitar tone, which is one of the thinnest, shittiest guitar tones of all time? You're not putting anything in context. There's if no you compare it to like every other guitar tone in the world, no, it's not the best. I didn't say I liked it either. I did just said it wasn't bad. You think it's horrible. It's not good. Okay, whatever. I didn't say it was horrible, honestly. I said it's not uh, good. Um, and then finally, the, uh, Scorpions, all the Uli Roth albums, uh, era, Uli Roth era albums are being reissued. So Taken by Force, In Trance, and Virgin Killer. Tokyo Tapes came out last week. I don't know how that, that one made it to us first, but uh, Taken by Force, In Trance, Virgin Killer, all must-owns. Um, more great guitar playing from Uli John Roth and the, other, and the other Shanker, Rudolph Shanker. Oh, Schenker. Yeah. As opposed to Shanker. If you, that's a Shanker. Shank somebody. But See, Pat you, Middlestad knows what he's talking about. Gary Moore had great tone. I didn't say Gary Moore didn't have great tone. I just don't love his tone. Who, whose tone do you love? I like Dimebag's tone because it's quite memorable. Yeah. Um, that uh, I like Yob's tone, which is like just stoner crazy stoner rock tone um i don't go after somebody else's tone per se i mean there there's some there are some bands that just have amazing tone like the guys in failure when they produce those albums the guitar tones on those records are outstanding like incredibly outstanding because it's like this wall of sound that's just unbeatable there i you like go. it i like it fair thank you moving on Anyways, uh, take taken by force in trans virgin killer and Tokyo tapes all available again. There you go. All right. Um, yes, Gary Moore did play Greeny, and now Kirk Hammett plays Greeny. Which what a shame! Every night, for nothing I, else matters. I give. I thought it was for uh, Fade to Black. I saw him play Nothing Else Matters on it. Uh, but any, well, he may play both on it. But either and way, I just the, yelled Gary Moore at him. Gary Moore. Uh, but look, the fact is, he uses it. You got to give him props on that. At least it didn't go to you know the owner of the Indianapolis Colts who owns all the Jerry Garcia's <laughs> guitars for some reason. Yeah, Jim Irsay has everything. He also has like a collection of fifty nine bursts. Like he's he's got a massive collection. Period. And he also has a band, which I'm sure they're really good. There's that. So um, I just can't think of something more anti Jerry Garcia than the owner of an NFL team using his guitars. He also has David Gilmore's Black Strat. That would be a cool one to have. He, I think he paid like four million bucks for it. So as he um, should. Anyway, so a couple of things we want to talk about real quick here. Um, we will talk about the new Foo Fighters album uh, in a second. What do you think of Josh Freeze as the touring drummer for Foo Fighters? Okay, so I went back and forth with a couple people on this, including you. Um, I think Josh is a great drummer. He is a good fit. Um, obviously more skilled than he even needs to be. Not that that's a dig at Taylor Hawkins, but he's qualified for the gig without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Um, he doesn't – I don't think he's – 
as much of a powerhouse as Taylor Hawkins was. I think he's got a little bit more of a technical approach to it. All of that said, I think he's a great choice. I think, you know, it'll help keep the Foo Fighters going for years to come. Personally, I wish they would have picked Rufus Taylor because I felt um, when I watched the tribute concert live that that was when the band was gelling the most just from a drummer perspective he played a lot like taylor um he kind of looked like taylor which that's not why i would pick him i'm saying just from his drumming i would have picked rufus but i think because he does look like taylor they didn't pick him i you and you very well may might be right i mean it's i don't like, know that for sure yeah. i mean that's just you know that's conjecture but well, and here's the thing. Dave Grohl, of course, an incredible, amazing drummer himself. So he's going to make an educated decision. I'm sure he yep. picked Josh for whatever reason he wanted to pick him. And uh, not a bad choice by any means. I think he's fantastic. And uh, it'll be it, – it's definitely – I think you definitely hear the difference, though, right away that Taylor's not there, and yeah. uh, which is kind of uh, funny because um, – the, a lot of the parts that he plays in the Foo Fighters songs and stuff, there's nothing like crazy unique about them. Um, but without him playing them, you notice right away that there's yeah. there's something a little bit off. Not in a bad way. You just know it's somebody else. Yeah, um, exactly. But I and think he, I think he's a solid choice. Yeah, I think I think he's a good choice too. I mean, you know, especially since the guys played on like 300 albums. And that's not, I might be wrong. That might be low. Yeah. Yeah. He's played um, with everyone. He's played with everyone. I mean, he was a member of the Vandals. That's his band, you know, which is like a, a punk, a punk hardcore outfit. And he's been in that band forever. But the dude is like my age. And he started playing professionally when he was like 14 or 15 years old. Yeah. He was in a band that would play at, uh, at Disneyland or Disney World, one of the two. Um, you know, and, and they would play like eight shows a day, you yeah. know. Um, over the summer and whenever he could actually, you know, do the play. But I mean, he's been playing forever. He's just been that good of a drummer forever. He's the drummer for the de facto drummer for Devo. He left the offspring for this gig. He was with the offspring for the past couple of years. He's recorded on so many albums and songs that, you know, that you thought that other drummer was on it. The yeah. other drummer from the yeah. band was on it. Nope. Uh, it's him in a lot of, in a lot of ways. In fact, there's been times where he's gone back. I know this for a fact. He went back and redid drums after a whole song was done to wow. replace the drums that a drummer had already laid down. So, yeah, he's that good. Um, I saw him play. Question, to answer your question, is double digits. Um, okay. Um, I, uh, I saw him play drums for um, Nine Inch Nails, and it, he's... He's a beast, no doubt yeah. about it. And the Foo Fighters need a beast, whether it be Taylor Hawkins, whether it be Dave Grohl, whether it be Josh Freeze. The Foo Fighters need a powerhouse behind them. So they absolutely got one. You know, yeah. just if you're asking who would I have picked, I would have picked Rufus. But I'm not Dave yeah. Grohl, and I'm not a brilliant musician, and I'm sitting in my basement. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that Dave Grohl made the right choice. Yeah. And look, <laughs> uh, for those of you that, that knew and saw the big reveal, that they had live, uh, that they live streamed. I, I'm guessing it was recorded beforehand and then streamed all at once, uh, just from the production value of it. It was too good of a production value to be to have been live. Yeah, yeah, they totally um, pre-recorded yeah. that. But it was great and it was hysterical. Uh, yeah, because, that you know <laughs> that thing had, where it kept seeming like this guy was going to be the drummer and this yeah. guy was going to be the drummer. It was yeah, that was great. 
and they had like you know like a Chad Chad from Red Hot Chili Peppers like there was a knock on the door like oh wait who's here oh hey Chad from the Red Hot Chili Peppers how's it going man and he'd have his sticks and he's saying he's like hey guys I brought you this pizza that you'd ordered uh I, oh yeah he's pretty oh cool cool great seeing you Chad and he walk out and then be another knock on the door and like. Danny Carey of Tool. Uh, what are and you he's doing like, I here? just took your dogs for a walk. And Dave's yeah. like, thanks, man. Yeah, it's like I just here's here's this here's that cake I baked for you guys. Ah, excellent. And like all these great drummers were yeah, walking Tommy through Lee. the door. Tommy Lee was in there too. Yeah. And then finally, you hear like a voice without it being on on camera saying, "Guys, guys!" And it cuts to a shot of Josh Freeze behind the drum kit with a name tag that says, "Hello, my name is Josh." And he's like, "Can we practice now?" Yeah, it's like okay, there we go. Yeah, that, that was that's who like, your yeah, guy is. Right. Yep. That's it. It's Josh Freeze. Now, here's the thing about it. Like, obviously, they played a couple of older tunes through that thing. It was cool to see them working out certain parts of the song. Like, Dave's like, yeah, no, it hit like at this point. And well, Josh is like, what if I do this? And th- and then they would play that part again. And so it was actually a rehearsal. Yeah, it truly was. Um, but it was obviously somewhat contrived in a sense that they had this production value to go along with it and it was cool i thought it was really cool and i think only the foo fighters could do something like that and really make it work well and and another thing for for josh no matter his accolades i mean the pressure to step into the role of arguably the most iconic drummer in rock and roll in the last 20 years you know, I mean, those yeah. aren't easy shoes to fill by any no. means. And again, like I wrote in my review for the shop for the Foo Fighters record, it's like Taylor Hawkins was not just the drummer in the Foo Fighters. He was the second in command. At least that's how it was presented. Oh, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. it was him and Dave. Like yep. people don't not old people know Nate Mendel and Chris Shiflett, but they knew Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. So even though he was the, one of the newer people in the band, yeah, you know? Yeah. But for Josh, man, you know, Josh Rufus, whoever it was going to be, even had it been somebody like Chad Smith, those were not going to be easy shoes to fill. So props to him, man, for stepping up and, and keep keeping the legacy going. Yep. So Looking forward to seeing those show, those shows when they actually do their own tour. Right now they're on they're in festival hell. Yep, like they're playing every festival everywhere and headlining it. And good for them. Money. Well, well they also had to cancel a year and a half worth of shows. Yeah. Oh, so, I'm not I'm not blaming them. Yeah. I'm just saying people. I don't think people realize how much money is being generated. Uh, one other thing I want to touch on really quick, and then we'll get to the best and worst of the year so far. Uh, I, we were talking about doing five of each. I don't know if we can do five of each. I had a hard time coming up with five worst because oh. I've been listening to absolutely everything. Oh, so, you picked worst ones, too. I only have best. Oh, good. I'll just run through the worst as well, just to, <laughs> just to throw it out there. It's fine. Uh, but I want to talk about how uh, President Biden, like him or hate him, I'm not talking politically, at least he got Ticketmaster and Live Nation to do something about, you know, we complain about the fees on this show all the time about ticket fees. Like, oh, this show is $40 for the ticket. And I bought one ticket and it cost me $200, you know, <laughs> because that's just what happens. You know, it's very annoying. It's it's on average, you'll pay a 40% premium for all these fees on top of the price of the ticket to get the damn ticket. It's, it's like unfair. Uh, it's like that Seinfeld. Remember when uh, Jerry's trying to get... Uh get the car from putty he's trying to buy the car from putty and he's going uh additional overcharge rust proofing finder's fee keys he's adding up all those fees that's exactly what the Ticketmaster fees are like yeah it's like well you know they put on that true code at the factory um 
but anyhow, um, he got Ticketmaster and Live Nation to finally acquiesce and say, we're going to put all the fees up front so you're not surprised by them. Great. At least you know. Yeah. And then next will but, be all the people on Facebook going, these tickets are $200 a piece. Well, that's here's the thing. That doesn't solve the problem. No. The problem is the fucking fees in the first place. That's the problem. They are egregious, and there's no way to control what it is. Now at least you know what they are. That's great. Now you know that it's going to be overpriced. Yeah, now you know front. that it's bullshit. Right? But it's still overpriced. It's still not in... like It is a large percentage of the cost of the ticket. It is an ungodly amount of the cost of the ticket. It's worse than renting a car. Yep. When you rent a car, it's like $1,000 for the week, and your charge is $1,350. Why? Well, you know, you got this, that, and the other thing, and tax, and blah, blah, blah. All right, fine. Let's take tax out of the equation. You know, you got to pay tax everywhere. But what you don't have to pay is like these facility fees and blah, 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 blah. Isn't that what a promoter's supposed to do? You know? Oh, well, he's, pay, he's paying them too. See, that's the thing. The promoter's usually paying into that too. And exactly. Get, and getting shit taken off the top for them as well. So it's like they're triple dipping. Yeah. It's, it's bad. It's bad. Especially if you're a Live Nation venue. So you have your Live Nation venue, so you catch your money on that, and then you have Ticketmaster making money off that. Live Nation and Ticketmaster, the same company. And then Ticketmaster is charging a, a facility fee that they pay back to Live Nation, which is Ticketmaster, and then the promoter's paying Live Nation. Yeah. You know, it is the, the problem isn't not knowing what the fees are. Though it sucked, the fees themselves are the problem, and that has to be next. Yeah. They, now they're not junk fees. Now they're just fees. Yeah. You know what they are, but they're still fees, and they're still ridiculous. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. I wanted to say thank you to, to President Biden for getting these people to do that. But what you didn't do is have them regulate how much those fees are. Yeah. And that really is silly. Now, I understand it's a free marketplace, but this is ridiculous. It is. You know, it really is. It's not is. knowing what the junk fees are. It's getting rid of them that needs to happen. So, anyway, that's my two cents on that. I will calm down now. All right. <laughs> now, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about we're in June. We're almost at the end of June. So, we're about six months into the year. And I thought, hey, why don't we talk about what we feel are some of the best and worst of 2023, best releases of 2023, and some of the worst releases of 2023. Now, I say releases because I'm not necessarily saying new album. Mm -hmm. Right. Because there were things that released that kind of sucked. And there were things that were released that were pretty awesome, but they're not new. They're just reimagined versions of things uh, or repackaged in a way that's awesome or not so much. So I have mainly new albums. Um, and on my worst, I have mainly new albums. <laughs> but there's a couple of things on both that are not and uh, not new music, but new the new ways of digesting it. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I have mainly reissues. Yeah, there you go. So this will all work out fine. So why don't we start with you? Okay. And this is in no particular order. We don't have to go zero to top, uh, though I'm sure we'll stop and we'll wax poetic on some of these. Yes. So uh, why don't you go first? What do you got? 
Okay, uh, I'll start with. Uh, I said it was one of. I actually I said when I when I first got it on this show um, that it was the best sounding record in my entire collection, which was the UHQR release from Stop. Analog. Stop. Okay. Continue. <laughs> I just realized it's not what I'm thinking it is. It's not. Okay. Uh, the UHQR release of Bob Marley's Exodus. There we go. All right. <laughs> um, very limited release. It was only 3,500 copies. It crashed. It sold out like that, right? Crashed the website trying to uh, trying to 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 handle all the orders coming in. Um, just an outstanding package. You've heard us talk about the UHQRs yep. a, a million times. They're going through the Steely Dan collection right now. Um, and then there's been... <laughs> Uh, there's been can't can't buy a thrill is right there on my table. Yeah, so, yeah. and and this record it just the the quality uh, the pressing of it the packaging the sound quality just absolutely outstanding. Um, so that would definitely be on my list. This is one of the one of the top records of all time, and uh, to hear it in this presentation is really something special. So I'm very grateful I was able to get a get a copy of it because they're still going for five six hundred dollars now for a new one so i'm very grateful i have one and that i'm able to play it and listen to it and really enjoy it but that that is definitely on my list of best releases for the year yeah the any most anything uhqr is an experience and, uh, and oh i have to tell you i got a replacement copy of jethro tall aqualung oh really because the other one was messed up yes and nice. uh and a, like you're saying an absolute experience another one of my favorite records of yeah. all time that came out last year so we can't talk about it but uh yes put it this way those releases are so good that the average lay person can tell the difference mm -hmm. like and i i mean it because my 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 wonderful mother was visiting here last week and she says hi nick hello and uh and i put on can't buy a thrill and just from the beginning of do it again the very first song she's like wow that that does really really good yeah. you know and it's just i don't have the best system we've talked about this before you know i don't have the greatest system i have a i have a good record player i have a good receiver i have very good speakers but i don't have these hundred thousand million dollar systems i mean the whole thing cost me less than a thousand bucks by far less than a thousand bucks and it sounds good and having it just improve everything you know, check out UHQR releases for sure. And if you can get hands on 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 Exodus by Bob Marley for less than five hundred dollars, do it. Don't hesitate. Yeah. Um, for me, I went with something a little bit different uh, from my first choice. And again, it's not in any particular order, uh, but I'm going to start with this one because it's definitely against type for me. And I've been listening to this. I'm not the biggest fan of this band um, just because it's just not my style of music. But Memento Mori by Depression Depeche Mode. Their new album that just came out a couple of months back is really good. And why do I say it's really good? Because a Depeche Mode fan will find all of this familiar. They haven't lost their Depeche Modeness. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but they do it in a way to where it's not boring or con uh, not contrived, but um, they're drawing off their own influence without it sounding like everything else they've already done. And they've yeah. done it really, really well. And this is after losing an integral part of their band. I mean, this is, they recorded this after they lost their keyboard player, so who was a huge part of that band. Yes. So to come out with an album that sounds familiar yet different, 
uh, and really pay homage to everything they've done in the past and sound fresh. That's hard to do when you've been around as long as they have. You're Absolutely. talking like 40 years of Depeche yeah. Mode. So that I give them a lot of credit, and I think it's one of the best releases this year for that reason. You know, you may not like the music, but you got to give them a lot of credit for everything they pulled off with this album. That's great. Yeah, I haven't I haven't checked that out. I've never been super into them, but I know they're you know they're one of those bands that like I feel like as time has gone on, they've become more and more appreciated. Yeah, you know. Uh, sort of like the cure i saw the cure last week and uh same same thing um they've they're now those bands are now in that tier of like icons yeah so great to hear them still making uh great music yep Uh, i'll go with the new album uh i i talked about one of the tracks on this uh on the show when it first got released long before the album came out but uh defiance part one by ian hunter ian hunter of course of mott the hoople uh originally in a, a very very long solo career um i think he's one of the most underrated rock and rollers of all time uh great lyricist great guitarist and just uh rock and roll to the core this record um has tons of special guests on it i, I every track has just a who's who of of uh legends on it from duff mckagan to taylor hawkins to rob Trujillo to mike campbell to ringo um everybody plays on it but uh the biggest thing to me is ian hunter is 84 years old and he's making killer records regardless of who else plays on it these you know the songs are written great very hooky the song bed of roses uh which was the lead off single which has ringo on drums and mike campbell playing guitar i forget who's playing bass but uh i'm calling it right now i think it's the song of the year i've probably played it 80 to 90 times between the store and um in my car and everything but i just i guys like that i get so sentimental about people like him and bob dylan and paul mccartney because i think it's so amazing that one we're here living at the same time as as these giants but that they still continue to put out great music and great records and uh if you haven't heard this one you need to pick it up nice oh i want to take a minute out right now if you're new and watching here do us a favor hit subscribe hit the notifications button i think it's right about well out of my screen nick it's on nick's side of the screen down there somewhere, somewhere like yeah, here right, I right think. about there it might be so here please i don't know hit subscribe and like and notifications so you can know what the hell is going on around here it's really important to us because we're on here not frequently it seems recently but, <laughs> but that's the only way you'll find out either that or you check out our facebook at uh, cover to covered please check it out sign up there say hello and we're getting ready to do a giveaway too we're getting, to our we're getting closer we're getting yeah. closer once we hit 100 we'll do a giveaway so get other people to do it and then we'll do a giveaway we'll give away nick's going to give away nothing he's going to give away a seven inch of donna summer's le- uh, last dance and i don't know if pay- i i don't know if i can give that up and you'll have to pay shipping <laughs> but yes once we hit 100 and then after 100 is 101 there you go cool all right excellent moving on uh this next one i'm gonna throw a little curveball as well it's another new album um and uh, this really is not in my wheelhouse but she's got a great voice i think she's got a great voice and she's definitely um underground pop 
I guess maybe is one way to put it, though she's fairly mainstream. It seems kind of underground. She just put out an album recently called Gag Order, and that's Kesha. And the new album is out. Again, it's called Gag Order. It's produced by Rick Rubin. Okay. So you got some Gotta firepower be good. there. Got some firepower there. Um, and it's weirdly awesome. Um, there are some songs that are very stripped down, uh, very naked, for lack of a better term. Uh, and she's just got a great voice and really an artistic mind. And I was really impressed. A couple of the highlights is a song called Fine Line. And then the next song on the album, uh, Only Love Can Save Us. Those are the highlights for me. Um, I've only heard the album a couple of times, but what I've heard, I've really liked. There's a couple on there that are just like, what? But uh, as far as a release goes, it's really, really strong. And I think it's her fifth release now. Now we're talking about somebody that, you know, came alive with the song TikTok and with a stylized S in Kesha and all that. She's kind of like left a bit of that behind. I mean, it's, she, it's definitely really, really good and artistic. She did a great um, uh, tune with the Struts, too, a few years mm -hmm. ago. Another great band that not enough people know about. Um, yeah, haven't heard anything, but Rick Rubin's really good at getting to the root of the artist. That's always been yeah. his real um, key to his producing, because he says he's not a musician or anything. He's just able to convey ideas very yeah. well. I mean, all you have to do is look at the look at the man's resume. And, exactly. And his name's on a lot of fa fucking fantastic records. They're not all zingers. <laughs> Not always, but They're not all zingers. But sometimes the ones that are are so good, like Tom yeah. Petty Wildflowers. Like that's I think the best record of Tom Petty's career, and it was like twenty years into his career. Like that yeah. rarely does that happen. You know, and all the, the Johnny Cash stuff. Uh, yep. and yeah, I mean he's he's brilliant uh, in in a lot of ways, and and obviously he's he knows how to bring out the best bring out the best in musicians, and what have you. Um, but yeah, I just want to throw that one out there as what I feel is one of the best releases this year. Now, mind you, again, let's just preface, post-preface, uh, that these are just our opinions. Again, you know, these are just opinions. This isn't written in stone, just how we feel about it. And we haven't heard every album that came out this year. No, of course not. So we're just giving you what we feel are highlights. So, yes. All right. What you got? What's next? Okay. Uh, I'll take... Uh, I guess I, uh, I'm going to go with this one. Sorry, I've got a list of like 12, so I'm just trying to decide which which ones I want to talk about because there's a couple I don't want to leave off, but I'll, I'll go with this one. Uh, as everybody knows, I'm a big uh, Bob Dylan fan. Each, almost every year, you get a new Bob Dylan, what they call the bootleg series. He was one of the first people to be doing archival releases all the way back in the early 90s. And uh, bootleg series volume, I believe it's 18, uh, came out this year. It's the 25th anniversary celebration of Time Out of Mind, which, if you're unaware, was kind of Bob's renaissance back to um, what makes him Bob Dylan, pretty much. Kind of, he won a bunch of Grammys for it, and it kind of put him back in the uh, in the spotlight. And uh, Daniel uh, Lanwau produced that which got him doing all kinds of different production tricks and, and things like that. So it really, it really got back to the root of Bob Dylan. So this set is a six disc CD set and a 10 LP box set. Um, I'm a huge fan. So it's got the original time out of mind album remastered plus two discs of outtakes, a disc of live stuff, um, disc of demos. So 
it's a full picture of the record from beginning to end. And I, I enjoy stuff like that. I just mentioned Tom Petty Wildflowers. They did one of those a couple years ago where you heard Tom Petty's home demos, then the run-throughs with the band, then the actual record, then the live stuff. So it's cool to kind of see it come full circle. And uh, Time Out of Mind, such a great record, such a big feather in the hat for Bob. So uh, I, I'm glad they finally put this box out. I'm going to let you do two in a row uh, because I don't have nearly as many as you have, and I know you have ones that you want to get in there. So Okay. Um, I talked about this on our, our Record Store Day preview, but it's, it's a release I've been going back to a bunch, and I've heard from our customers that they really love this one, which was the reissue of the Nuggets box set. Um, well, reissue of Nuggets as a box set with extra discs. So if you're unfamiliar, Nuggets was a compilation that came out in the 70s. It was assembled by uh, Lenny Kay, who's, of course, a journalist and uh, was in Patti Smith's band forever. And it's a lot of, like, uh, rare and unheard uh, garage rock. Um, there's some bands on there that you'll recognize, um, Standells and Electric Prunes and stuff like that. Uh, Love is on there. But a lot of tunes were, at the time, it was hard to find you know, the, 40, the original 45s for and stuff. So Lenny put together what he thought was the ultimate uh, garage rock comp at the time. So that has included the original 2LP set. And then there's the what ended up later being canceled 2LP follow-up to the original Nuggets. So you have Nuggets 1 and 2, and then another disc of sort of um, more rare and obscure stuff that they put together. A great book with liner notes, and uh, it's just a great listen. It's a it's a great comp. You hear a lot of bands that, that you're not familiar with, and you hear a lot of songs that if you were trying to find the original release of the, uh, the LP or the 45 of some of these bands, you're going to pay a ton of money. So it's a great comp, and it turns you on to a lot of great music, and uh, I've been familiar with the comp for a very long time, but to get it in this box set with you know, optimal sound quality, great packaging, uh, just a great release. Total, total five star release. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I lost my list. Uh oh. All right, this one is uh, going to be controversial because I put it on both lists. The worst and the best. Yeah. So, so it's got to be Metallica. Damn right. Seventy-two seasons <laughs> by Metallica is on my. Best and worst releases of the year list. I'll talk about the worst reason later. Um, but as far as best, Lux Eterna is a bomb tune. It, it is. is a great song. It I is. mean, and a lot of the album, you if you're a longtime Metallica fan, finally they've really kind of put it together. You know, uh, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, they started getting there. Uh, even Death and Mad Magnetic, they started going a little more retro. Hardwired to Self-Destruct, they went a little more retro. This album, they really went retro. It sounds like if they were this seasoned at the time that they wrote Kill 'Em All. You know, there, it has a lot of Kill 'Em All influence. Uh, very uh, almost punky in a lot of ways. It's that early, a lot of early thrash kind of sound, but more melodic. You know, and not quite as fast. Um, yeah, yeah. There's moments know. of the whole record where you hear all the different eras of Metallica. Yeah, there's exactly. stuff that sounds like Load. There's stuff that yeah. sounds like Kill 'Em All. There's stuff that sounds like Injustice. Um, there's stuff that sounds like Death Magnetic. So, yep. and, and I think the hype sticker said something like, you know, uh, 
40 years of Metallica in across 75 minutes or whatever, yeah, whatever it says it like is, yeah. and and I think that's a good it's it's a good description which for better or for worse you get an overview of Metallica's um, entire career one thing that I do have to nitpick about is I bought the album I bought the vinyl and it said you know it was for indies only was this violet vinyl and you take it out and you wouldn't know that this thing was violet colored no. it's so dark it may as well be black so it's why call it violet did did you run out of other colors was it just like the cheaper color to use because somebody had a whole bunch of those you know vinyl beans i i don't i don't know and we kept having to replace copies of it because people were buying them and they were getting two of one record in it oh god that just happened to me a, a week or so ago i got green day's greatest hits and i got two of album two in there i'm like all right you're like where's everything from dookie yeah essentially yes <laughs> Like, I want those songs. Like, I want the good stuff. Uh, so I have to go return that. Uh, yes. Not fun to return it now. Be like, hey, man. But you can't fake this one. Yeah. You know, it's two of album two. <laughs> yeah. There. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Metallica 72 seasons on my best and worst of 2023 list. Good call. Good call on, bo- on it being on both sides. Oh, yeah. Um,. Another anniversary box set that uh, I think it's it's become a cornerstone in my collection. This is something I waited a very long time for them to do. Finally came out. Uh, I don't even know how long it's been. I think it would have technically been the 45th anniversary when it was announced. It didn't start shipping until 2023, so we're going to call it a release for this year. And that is the Thin Lizzy Live and Dangerous. Uh, it's a CD box set. Um, there's a great hardcover book in it. There, I believe, is a total of nine CDs. It's eight or nine CDs. It's and a lot, yeah. It's a lot. And what it is is you get the original Live and Dangerous album, and then you get all of the shows that they used to make Live and Dangerous in their original unaltered forms, most of them. There's a couple shows that are missing songs, but it's like one song on two shows or something uh, so they can't technically say it's fully complete but it might as well be and the sound quality is just outstanding and i think the ultimate thing that it does because uh, live and dangerous is one of those records like kiss alive like ufo strangers in the night where people go oh it was overdubbed and yes it was overdubbed but not to the level that it's been described as being overdubbed because what you hear in these other shows is just how ferocious thin lizzy was live and how tight they were and how especially phil line and i know he gets he gets a lot of praise now as he should but i still don't think it's it's to the level it should be his lyrics his vocals and especially his bass playing live um is just just next level and i i'm really glad that they put these things out because for a while live and dangerous was just getting shit on that it was basically recorded in a studio and they put an audience over it and that's not true it's just not true so uh great set and if you can find one this is another one that it's sold out almost immediately and it's going for a couple hundred bucks if you can find one grab it because you won't be disappointed if you're a thin lizzy fan it's a must own yeah 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 all right speaking of box sets uh this next one i'm pretty sure is on both of our lists um this came out in march we 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 went through pains to get one here to me in time so we could do a live unboxing 
and we did it. I had strep throat, and I was barely able to talk, and it was our shortest show ever. We did an hour, and we were just done, and I'm out. <laughs> uh, we're at an hour now, put it yeah. that way. Uh, and that was the Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon 50th Anniversary box set. This box set is $300, and it was worth every freaking penny. Yep. I mean, it's got the live from... Uh, live from uh, Wembley. Or... Is it Empire Pool? Wembley Empire Pool. Yeah, Wembley Empire Pool, uh, which is the entire album, and it sounds almost as good as, you know, being there. Like, it's it's so well done. Uh, the Of course, the, the, the album itself uh, being in there in many different formats. It's in there in LP. It's in there in Atmos. It's in there in 5.1 surround sound. It's in there in stereo mix. Uh, it's just basic CD, basic CD. Yeah. It's got a little bit of everything in there for you. It's got the music of dark side of the moon, the actual book, the music book that you would buy for like 20 bucks in the store to learn how to play every part in the, in, uh, on the album. Actually it's the piano version, but still, yes, nobody cares. Uh, it's got, speaking of books, it's got a gigantic art book with all photos. Hard from that cover. Era. Hard cover, 160 pages, right? Yeah. Something like something in all neighborhood. Glo- yeah, all glossy photo paper. Uh, it's gorgeous. It's just done so well. Uh, it's got the electronic press kit from that era. Uh, yeah. Or a, a, a facsimile of it. Not, it's yeah. not the actual one, but it's you know redone uh, with the invite to go listen to it. Uh, you know at the initial at the um, um, at so a, some sort of gallery or something. It wasn't a gallery. It was like um, it was like uh, going to like the, the where you see the shit projected on the ceiling. Uh, a planetarium. Planetarium. I, th- I thought it was a planetarium. I may be wrong on that one, but I thought it was like a planetarium invite. Um, which is what they do with it nowadays anyway. Um, you, know, you get stoned, you go to the planetarium, and you watch the laser light show. Uh, that's what you do. Uh, or at least that's what you used to do. I don't know if it's still done anymore. I have been to a planetarium in a very long time. I just Have was you? having this discussion with somebody. No, I haven't been, but uh, they do still do it. And uh, Dark Side of the Moon is probably the number one choice yeah. for it. So, and yep. and you and I voted this in one of our first episodes that we did the number one record that should be in your record collection. Yeah, you sort of have to have it. Yes. You sort of have to have it. If you don't have it, you are a chucklehead. <laughs> like, I don't even care if you don't like Pink Floyd. You need to have this album in your collection. Like, you just have to um in fact uh, you know i mean you can't say that uh you know 50 years of billboard charting is wrong you know the album is back up on billboard charts again you know it just keeps it was on there for like what how many years in a row like Like, 900 weeks in a row 17 years or something it was some crazy amount and all those weeks in a row and uh, and then uh, it dropped off, and then it came back on like the week after it dropped off, and now it's like back in like the mid hundreds again because people are buying it again because of this. So um, it's something you need in your collection. I don't care who you are. I have like two or three versions of it. I'm sure you have like nine. I do. That is correct. So, uh, it's necessary and must have, and definitely one of, if not the best release this year, in my opinion. From yeah, on every level, from sound yeah. quality to packaging to just—I yeah. mean, of course, the music. Yeah, without a doubt, what, what outstanding, outstanding release. There you go. Uh, that was one of the ones I wanted to talk about, so I'm glad yeah. you talked about it. Um, 
Uh, we were going to talk about that one together. Uh, here's one that I think kind of flew under some people's radars that I thought was solid. And that is the Black Crows Shake Your Money Maker Live. This was mm. recorded last year. So this is the newest lineup of the Black Crows. Um, but they do the whole album. The first three sides, it's a double LP. The first three sides are Shake Your Money Maker in its entirety in sequence. And then the last side is uh, sort of uh, greatest, greatest hits. hits yeah. yeah. Remedies on there. Um, yep. I think I Souls- saw that show. Yeah, I, I actually didn't get to see it. I've never seen any incarnation of the Black Crows. For as much as I love them, I've never seen a version of the band because I always, whenever they come around, I, I've got some bullshit to do. Um, well, they're touring with Aerosmith, so. I will be at that show. By all means, I will be at that show. So, um, but If that tour happens, actually. Do you know something that I don't? I might. Sounds like it. But, well, there's always the possibility I was, you know, uh, I, I, uh, people have told me that there's reasons why it might not happen. It's not that it's not going to happen, but there's reasons why it might not. So, yeah. You, and you're in the know, so you would know. So you'll have I, to tell me even, when we're... I can't even, I can't even get into it, but it's, there's, there's a distinct possibility that it might not happen. They're all, it's all guns, all, you know, all ships are sailing in the same direction now, but there's always uh, supposedly a loose cannon factor that would allow it to not happen so i'll just leave it there it's always something in the aerosmith camp oh yeah uh but anyways this black crows if you got the indie exclusive version too it came with a seven inch that had two extra tracks on it oh that's awesome um yeah but just a solid performance from the band and chris robinson has not lost anything no vocally sing he can still sing like it's 1990, yep. and uh, you you got to you got to give him props on that. I think I don't think "Shake Your Money Maker" is the Black Crow's best record. I think their second record, uh, "Southern Harmony," is is the definitive Black Crow's record. Uh, but "Shake Your Money Maker" is great, of course, and it has all their radio hits on it. "Jealous Again" and "Twice as Hard" and "Hard to Handle" and "She Talks to Angels." All that is on there. So. Uh, um, if you if you're a Black Crows fan, or even if you're just a just a middle of the road Black Crows fan, it's a live, great live record you should pick up. Roger is a big Black Crows fan. That's why he's going. <laughs> why are you crying, buddy? What's wrong? Shut up. Okay. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, <laughs> uh, this one we're gonna pause on for a bit for sure. Uh, I, it's on both of our lists, guaranteed, and we have to kind of break this one down a little bit. And uh, after a whole bunch of strife and horrible things happening in the Foo Fighters camp, they come out triumphantly with their newest release called But Here We Are. And it came out on June 2nd. Um, I'm not going to say to a lot of fanfare. I didn't notice a lot of fanfare around it. Um, They promoted it, but it wasn't like new Foo Fighters coming now. It was just sort of like we have a new album. Here it is. Yeah. And, you know, they put out a couple of singles, obviously, over the past couple of months. The first one being Rescued and the second one being Under You. Um, And they're both amazing, very, uh, for lack of a better term, familiar Foo Fighter tunes. Um, But the album, in my mind, with very little exception, is nothing short of Miraculous. Yeah, without a doubt, which I love that. uh, That's why I love that it's called But Here We Are, because... All of that, but here we are. It's a, it, I, like I said, in, in uh, the people that watch from that are Rock City people probably saw the post I put together when the record was coming out. 
And I was somebody in that camp. You and I had this discussion on here, and I said, I just don't see them continuing without Taylor. Because as I mentioned earlier in the show, Taylor Hawkins is not just the drummer in the Foo Fighters. Yeah. And and I thought, you know, not that Grohl is not capable because he's just superhuman. He's just one of those guys. But the, just what it represented for the Foo Fighters, I thought there's no way that they could do it. And to come back with a record and and we're not we're, we're i'm sure we're going to touch on the other tragedy that dave Grohl had but like yep. to come back with a record this good and this strong with all of that shit right here in your face i i i think if it doesn't hit people right now in like 10 years i think people are going to look back and go that was one of the most miraculous things that's maybe ever occurred in 100%. music a hundred percent. I think you and I may have disagreed on whether or not he was actually going to. I thought he was going to do something again because I didn't think that there was any way he wasn't. I thought yeah. he was going to take more time. Yeah. I'm a little. I'm a little surprised it came out as fast as it did and how under the radar it was. Yep. Because again, it was. You didn't know it was coming out till there was a single. Really, there was like a rumor that was started in March that uh, from some guy in the UK who then had a who had a like backtrack and was like, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that." But he didn't say it wasn't true. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you're like, all right, cool, something's happening. Then Rescued comes out as a single. You're like, all right, cool, let's listen. All right, this is a really cool Foo Fighters tune. And then, you know, Under You comes out. Which is just a, a masterpiece of a song. Great song. And it's a great Foo Fighters song, you know. But this album was definitely written under some of the darkest days in Dave's life. You know, first, he loses, he loses Taylor. All right, very, very just boom, he's gone, right? And some of the lyrics play to that, right? Yeah, without, yeah, you, there's no, there's no hidden meanings. No, absolutely not. And then what a lot of people didn't know was not long thereafter, his mother passed away. And if you know anything about Dave Grohl at all, his mother was a guiding light in his life. Yeah. And she did documentaries with him and meeting all the, these mothers of other rock stars. And it's a great series. It's yeah. just amazing and how close they were. And I, he's, he had to have been just completely destroyed yeah. at that point. I can't even imagine back-to-back tragedies like that and being like, all right, let's make an album. but i think i think again i don't know dave i'm just this is just me guessing i'm thinking he just needed to channel it yeah and this album is complete evidence of that it says it's written by the foo fighters this is a dave girl album yeah you know uh the lyrics are dark they are dark they're surrounded at times by uplifting happy music especially in the case of under you yep you know, that, that song is very, like, bouncy and uplifting and very poppy Foo Fighters. And the lyrics are very, dis, like, hard to listen to. Yeah. You know, because he's saying over it. Think I'm getting over it. Think I'm getting over it. Like, it's just like he's just, he thinks he's getting out from underneath all of this stuff, you know. And it's his struggles with the death of his best friend and yeah. the death of his mom. And it's, you know, when you look deeper into the lyrics, you just start thinking, holy shit. Yeah, the, the, that's what I'm saying. Just the the miraculousness of it, it like that. 
and it, to me, it's a it's almost like a life lesson because it it, it proves again that when you when you're at your lowest and your back's against the wall that if you want to you can you can stand up and deliver maybe your best work i mean i think in terms of artistry it's it's the best foo fighters record yeah for 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 standing up against all odds and what is being delivered again like you just pointed out in the time frame this record came out not long after the one year anniversary of Taylor dying. No, it, so, it was done. It was done by December. Like it's just, or yeah. actually, they did a little more in February. But still, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it, crazy it, to think that like a year after his friend, because he died what February twenty twenty two, or was it March? I March. I think it was March. Yeah, and it was it like was, late March, I think. Yeah. So I mean, like it's just, and then his mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then. The one thing that I did notice, the drumming is inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and it's Dave played it's drums Dave. on the record. Like, yeah. was, that was unmistakable. Somebody said, "Listen to the song and tell me who you think's playing drums," because you didn't know who was playing drums in the Foo Fighters at that point. I listened to the song. I'm like, "That's Grohl." Like, it's just unmistakably Grohl. Mm-hmm. You know, but he he just took it up another level. Like, just the I don't want to say it was brutal, but it's definitely punishing. Yeah. Um, just he hits so hard. And there's just a different, as they said, with when Neil Peart went from going from traditional grip to, you know, uh, uh, match grip to tr- traditional grip. Yes. He said there was a different clock at work. They're like, well, it sounds like the same song. Yeah, but there's a different clock at work. Yeah. And that's, you know, I hate to say that about, I'm not speaking ill of the dead, but there's definitely a different clock at work between Taylor playing Foo Fighter songs and Dave playing Foo Fighters songs. Yeah. And honestly, I think that might lend itself to why I really like this album so much. Because my favorite Foo Fighters albums are the first two. Mm-hmm. And half of the third one. And it's the half that Dave's on. Right. You know, because he didn't play every drums on every song on that album. Taylor played songs on half of the songs on that album. So, you know, uh, and he played a little bit here and there, you know, throughout the Foo Fighters history, but nothing, I think, since like 2005 or something like that, 2006. So he hasn't played on a Foo Fighters album in all this time. And now he plays drums on this album and it just the emotions just there. And like, especially in the song, The Teacher. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which is 10 minutes long. And it's all about his mom because his mom was a teacher. So, like, again, no hidden meanings. Nick said it great. There's no hidden meanings in this at all. You know, it's just so amazingly emotional. I, I, I said when I first listened to it, the first time I was listening to it, I'll never forget. I was running on a treadmill. And I said, well, let me listen to the song. I just bought the album, but I was on the road. So I didn't have... I didn't have a record player to put on. So I'm like, all right, let me just listen to it on Apple Music while I'm running on the treadmill. And like, I, I, 45 minutes in, I'm still on the treadmill. I'm like, oh my God, because I just was so locked in yeah, on what, yeah. I forgot I was like walking and running. And then like, I'm getting choked up halfway through the album because I was really listening to the lyrics and the emotion and everything and thinking where Dave's head was at the time. And if you listen to this album, and I said it at the time, if you listen to this album and you don't get choked up, you are an unemotional robot. Yep. No period. doubt. Absolutely. It's that good of a record. If it doesn't win awards, uh, if it doesn't win Grammys, there's something wrong with Grammy people. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. It's it's that good. It's really, I, I had a, I was talking with, um, with uh, Rachel about it and I said, 
you know, like I, when we started talking about this, about I was totally somebody that thought they wouldn't be able to carry on. And what it ended up doing, the tragedy of Taylor and, of course, uh, his mom, it reinvigorated the entire thing. It, yeah. like, it totally, it, it's, even if I, if you don't think it's the best Foo Fighters record in the discography, it's the best one they've done in 15 years. It's By the, it, it, without By a far. doubt. Like, but I think from a, from, like I said, from an artist's point of view, it is the best Foo Fighters record. And especially when you really think about the circumstances in which they were dealt, when you're yeah. talking about it might be over and you come out with this it's re it really is something special it, especially this day and age and how 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 disposable yeah. music seems to become even by band like we just were talking about the metallica record like people were foaming at the mouth for that metallica record and i haven't heard really jack shit about it since it came out you know like you're talking that's that's you know top tier band so when you when a band like the foo fighters specifically dave grohl puts the effort and time and work and against all odds approach that this record has it i think it deserves every accolade imaginable yeah a hundred percent i mean kudos to them kudos to everybody in the band for holding it together with him you know yeah um you know, he's got his he's got family on the album, not just the guys in the band, but he literally has his daughter singing with him and she's got an amazing voice. Great voice. So, you know, she she definitely carries a tune with him. In fact, she outshines him because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's my design. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, just every song on that album is good except one. There's one song that sounds like the Romantics meets Bruno Mars and, you know, it's got kind of like a reggae feel to which, it. Which one are you referring to? Um, it's it's got like the middle part of it is good, but like the the main um, verse is not uh, fantastic. It's uh, I think it's is it nothing at all? Yeah, yeah nothing at all. Okay, that's the one that you don't like that, that song. I don't like the main. I like the choruses, but I don't like the main riffs. It's just too dun dun dun. I keep thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, I keep hearing Bruno Mars or Talking in My Sleep by the Romantics. That's all I hear when I hear that. I'm, or some, like, ripped-off police riff. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. I like the chorus. I like how it leads into the bridge into the chorus, and the chorus is, like, very punky, and I dig that. Um, but other highlights of the album, of course, we talked about Rescued and Under You. The title track, But Here We Are, is triumphant. I can't get sick of that. And there's a nerdy musician reason for it. It 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 does this thing that just sucks people in and it's 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 a different type of formula that I don't think he was going for. The verses are in 7/8, the chorus is in 4/4 four, four, as far as time signature. And there's something about that that when it draws you into that 4/4 four, four chorus, it's very rah 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 with the chorus and then you have this sort of like off time sense of urgency giving you anxiety thing in the you know in the in the verses that's just released when you get to the chorus and it's so good yeah it's and, so it's such a great tune i love I, that song and i love that the vibey tune that his daughter sings on what is it called show me how show or, me how yeah yeah it's yeah great great yeah, that stuff. is a very vibey atmospheric type of song and 
you know, kind of not standard Foo Fighters. No. I mean, it's got a real. No. I've said it had a real um, late era David Bowie. Yeah. Thing happening, not I classic yeah. Bowie, like ni- late nineties, two thousands Bowie yeah. is what it has going on. Um, yeah, I can't. I mean, I don't think we can say enough about the record. If you haven't heard it, you definitely need to hear it. If you haven't bought it, you need to buy it. You need to support art like this because yeah, it's it's sure. it's it's up there with with some of the great albums of 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 uh, rock, without yeah, a doubt. It, it's so good and just every i mean as much as i'm i'm saying like i don't like nothing at all even that like you put that on another foo fighters album it's really good yeah you know on this album and we've talked about that before like like with def leppard with hysteria right you know the whole first side is just multi-thousand platinum yeah. just and then the second side like those out those songs ah well they're okay yeah compared to every goddamn hit that's on the first side yeah put them on any other Def Leppard album and they're hits yep you know it's that similar thing is even as much as I don't dig that vibe of that song I'm sure if it was on like the color and the shape it would have fit and it would have worked you yep. know uh, which is you know one of my favorite albums and this one has probably surpassed it uh, yeah. The first album has always been my favorite. I think this may have surpassed it. Uh, it's it's that good. It's that good. So, yes. and, uh, let's see. Something to add to my vinyl collection when I start building it then? Is it on vinyl? Oh, yes, it is. Yes. And it's available on black and white vinyl. Uh, I got the white vinyl. because I did, too. The white vinyl. Now I just need to buy the black one so I can't play the white one anymore and ruin it. And And you need the cassette. I'm not buying the cassette. We have the cassette in stock at Rock City I'm, Music Company. Then I may buy the cassette. I have nothing to play it on. Um, all right. Uh, I'm out of all of mine. Continue. Um, I don't know if we... Do I need to continue? I mean, I, I feel think, like we I should end we, with yeah. the Foo Fighters. I think we should. Um, I will say shout out to the new Queens of the Stone Age record that came out last week. It's called uh, In Times New Roman. Solid stuff. I don't think Queens of the Stone Age have done a bad record in 20 years, or maybe ever. So if you like Queens of the Stone Age, it's, it, you should pick it up. I, I dig it as, as a new release. I, th- I, think it's a, I think it's a great album. So you and Scotty, uh, who works as a manager of, of Nick's store, were talking about this on Saturday, and Nick does like a preview sort of thing with like, you know, hey, these are the things that are, you know, are in the new out this week, and that album just came out last week, I believe. Yes. And uh, Scotty was saying, like, yeah, he doesn't really like the old Queens of the Stone Age stuff, which is the stuff that I love. Because that's all that stoner, rocky, you know, very, um, very uh, 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 bullet to the head, blunt force trauma type uh, stuff when Nick Oliveri was in the band. Yeah, it's coming out of Caius. So it's definitely like the building blocks from from Caius are there. And still songs for the deaf are, are St- that that album is still my favorite one. And, yeah, I played and, it the other day. It's it's so good. And again, that's Dave Grohl on drums. Yep. So again, there's that different clock at work. There's that different feel, the different vibe that he puts in when he's playing. I mean, yep. it's just crazy. Why am I getting this little? What is this? My connection is unstable. Connection is fairly good. Yeah, you keep uh, where your videos like getting jagged, yeah, it was blinking and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, your yeah. audio stayed through the whole thing, but your that's video fine. is... Yeah, that's um, really weird. Something to touch on real quick about uh, uh, Songs for the Deaf uh, and Dave Grohl playing drums. There is a show that people 
it's one of those shows in town where people, you know, 10,000 people were there, even though the place holds 300 people. <laughs> um, Queens of the Stone Age on that tour played the shelter, which is the venue under St. Andrew's Hall. It's yeah. basically the basement of St. Andrew's yeah. Hall with Dave Grohl on drums in a place that holds, the, yeah, like two to 300 people, which is had That's to be crazy. fucking it had to be unbelievable yeah. i mean it just i can't imagine being there scotty was there and he said it was you know it was i believe him he for yeah. sure was there <laughs> but i people tell me all the time they were there and i'm like yeah I, I don't think you were there they played the troubadour in la on that tour with Grohl, yeah. which holds like 350 people you know they it's incredible a lot more uh, I was not at that show. But, Every venue uh, does. Yeah, totally. Anyway, all right. So moving on, we know that Dave Grohl is an amazing drummer. Um, what I want to say, musician in general, honestly. Yeah. And I, Mark Garney pointed out here that he listened to the Storyteller, which is the book Grohl wrote a couple years ago. Yep. Uh, the audio book he narrates it. It is a, a yeah. fantastic it's listen. It's a great Even listen. If you're not a Foo Fighters fan, Nirvana fan, whatever, like the stories he has about like Paul, I love the story he tells about Paul McCartney coming over to his house and how he was running around hiding all of his Beatles stuff so it didn't yeah. seem weird. Like, <laughs> like the shit like that. Like he's so that guy. So it's just, yeah. it's very, um, it's a very fun and uh, entertaining listen. But yeah, as Mark points out, he, he spends a lot of time talking about how much he adored his mom and that. And that was no doubt. That loss may have even been harder than than the loss of Taylor and having them come back. Oh, I'm sure it was back to back three months apart. Yeah. Like fuck, man. That's well, it's probably amplified by the fact that Taylor wasn't around, so he had somebody to lean on. Right. He didn't. He didn't yep. have his best friend to lean on during that time. You know. I know yeah. he's got a wife and family and what have you, but sometimes you need that outside person. And, yep. you know, to lean on and, and cry to and do all that. And, you know, he wasn't there anymore. So, I mean, I'm sure it was even worse because it was compounded. Yep. You know, no I doubt. couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. I hope none of us have to go through that. So uh, anyway, buy the album. Do yes. Dave a favor. <laughs> all right. So now as we wind it down here, it's we get time for our last two, our best two, our most famous segments discovered and this song sucks now again to remind you all since it's been a while discovered is where cover to covered comes from we discuss a cover song that we like as much if not more than the original and i think you went first last time i did so i'm gonna go first this time and i don't know if i mentioned this before i may have um but if i did i have a backup so for some reason i don't know why the song by the Bengals in in your room was stuck in my head. And so I had to listen to it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then I just started listening to that. I have the album. So but I was walking. I would walk Roger and just listen to that song and like put it on repeat. And I don't know why. I just really like that song. Um, so, you know, whatever. If you don't like it, fuck off. Um, <laughs> but of course, their cover of Hazy Shade of Winter is amazing. Um, because it it stays true to the Simon and Garfunkel version, but not. It's a very punky, amped up, you know, four part harmony uh, version of it. Uh, the 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 sad thing about it is when that came out and was released as a single, it did very very well, but it was an edited version. Uh -huh. So there's like a verse missing from the single that's on the album version, which is the entirety of the 
Simon and Garfunkel song. The, the thing is, people saying they didn't do the same version as Simon and Garfunkel did. Of course not, because it was edited. The full version is the full thing, and it sounds great, and it has a build, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it gets stripped down again, and it's such a great cover tune. I like it more than the Simon and Garfunkel version, because to hell with those guys. I'm kidding. No, um... <laughs> Uh, I just do. I just like it more because, again, it's more aggressive. There's more urgency to it. It's, and it's fun. And the fact is, those those girls could rock. Yeah. They could totally rock. So, And that song really proves it. So that's my pick for Discovered for this week. Yeah, I don't think you have talked about that before because that's the first time hearing of it. I didn't even know that that existed. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll really? check that out. Yeah, oh, yeah, you have and, to uh, check it out. Yeah, no idea. So that, was, that's a good one. It was a big hit for them. It was a big hit for them in the mid-late 80s for sure. All right, so my pick it was actually, I think it was actually on the it initially, it was on the Less Than Zero soundtrack. Okay. Which has all cover songs. It, there's like Inagata De Vida done by Slayer. Yeah, right. On that. So, yeah. Which is a really uh, true to form version. <laughs> Slayer plays Inagata De Vida. They do all 20 plus minutes of it they in do two. Not do, no, they, yeah, in two. <laughs> Inagata De Vida, honey! Ah! No, that's not uh, like, how what possessed them to do that other than it being Money. hilarious. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, my pick for Discovered this week, I talked about it at the beginning of the show. Reggae Kiss. You got to check it out. Oh my god, fuck you. No, it's it's cool. I think it's really cool. Um Nick Nick again, I'm back to say that we did not license this. There is absolutely no reason why Rastafarians should be playing Kiss in their own style of music. They should stick with Bob Marley, Ziggy Marley, Stephen Marley, and my dog Marley. Anybody named Marley would be Dan Marley, who used to play basketball. He spelled it different. Anybody named Marley would be just fine. Stick with that. Stay in your lane. Kiss. Go to kissonline.com, buy the kiss condoms, buy the kiss coffin. We get you coming and going. You know what's funny about you doing that impression and saying that about staying in your own lane, how kiss never stayed in their own lane. We stole from nobody, Nick. Um, we, we absolutely, uh, uh, we were in a very original. And how original, many members, how many members in kiss? Four, right? How many in the Beatles? Four. Thank you. Exactly. We have the proper amount of members in KISS. And still to this day, we retain four members. Two of them get paid quite poorly. <laughs> Anyways, Reggae KISS, they got a new record out. It's called Love Mon instead of Love Gun. Uh, but there's a great cover of War Machine on there. So that's, that's the pick I'm going with. Reggae KISS, War Machine. Check it out. Oh, we forgot to do the worst of 2023, but we're already through this, so we won't even have to do that. Can I just throw it out there really quick? Yeah, just, yeah. Worst of 2023, uh, Metallica, 72 seasons. It's on the best and worst list. The worst. Why? Lars Ulrich. Uh, <laughs> the other two, Atom by Smashing Pumpkins. Pumpkins. Talk about staying in your lane. Sorry, I get twitchy just thinking about the music on that album. Those albums. Uh, and then number one, and I'm sorry, very, very disappointed, Rush Signals box set. 
Give us a box set with something in it. This box set is not worth $230. It's just not. Who needs four repro seven-inch singles? You don't. Or, it sig- doesn't or signals on a picture disc. Yeah, signal. It's not even, I don't even know if that's part of the box set. There's no Atmos. There's no live show. No, there is yeah, Atmos. There is Atmos, Atmos, but there's right, no yeah. live show. Yeah, that's and, what it was. And it's just like, well, all right, cool. There's no outtakes because they never have them. Yeah. So how is this worth $70 less than the the moving pictures box set, which gave you like tons of shows, tons of albums, a f- car? Yeah, one of one of the best box sets ever. It's up there with the Pink Floyd one in terms of packaging and stuff. Yeah, that was that would if it was 2022, that would have been in my best of. Yeah. For sure, because it was done so well. But screw you guys, like that was bad. Screw now will I buy you guys? But I mean like eventually will I buy it? Yeah, it's going to drop in price and it already is. Yep. It already is. It's already like 10 and 15% off places. I'm waiting till it's like in the realm of Tool's uh, last album. Box oh my set, god. That you could buy God, that box stuck set with now those. for like yeah. seventy nine dollars. Yeah, it was one hundred and seventy nine dollars, and now you could buy them for seventy nine. Public service announcement, please. If you're one of those people that have been waiting for that toolbox set to drop to the price that it is, buy it from an independent store because we all got our ass kicked on that. Do Everybody not, got don't, their head don't handed buy on it on Amazon or Walmart. Please go to your local record store and pay. We're already losing like fifty dollars on it, so the least you can do is buy it from us so we can get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you want them to hold on to it for another. 30 30 years until it like rises in value again well, because that's what will happen their copies well that's the thing that's what's going to happen with because it's a tool release it's yeah. going to drop in price like this and then in three or four years when there's none of none available anymore it'll go back up to four hundred dollars somehow yeah which is why i left mine in the shrink though i opened it but nobody's gonna want it nobody's i wouldn't have opened it. it nobody's gonna want it they started selling this for eight hundred and five dollars at shows signed by all all the members of the band. Yep. Then it went on sale for one seventy nine for everyone or whatever it was. I think it was one seventy nine. It was one seventy nine. Yep. And then I bought it at one twenty nine, like three months later, because they were not moving. Yeah. And I thought that was a great deal. And now it's like seventy nine bucks. Yep. Oof. Yeah. And then there's then they came out with the second box set, which. Has, well, it's a three uh, LP version. It's a three LP that you can buy that for fifty bucks now. I saw as low yeah. as fifty bucks. Like, yep. wow, it's that bad. I mean, the album's good, but no, I mean, no, everything's got overpriced. Too. I like the album, but you don't like Tool, so no, right? Because I'm not a Tool. Anyway, I didn't love the album. I like the album. I thought it was waiting, you know, twelve years for the same shit. But. Well, here's what kills me too: is like those guys. I'm not a fan, but how are those guys not? releasing the other records that everybody wants like where's ten thousand days and what's the other one that that isn't available anima or whatever what's Anima? it called and and is that what it's called Anima? yeah um but yeah. meanwhile meanwhile lateralist is all over the place yeah yeah but that would that comes in and out of print too like as somebody that you know i do the ordering scotty does yeah, the yeah. ordering like that'll go out of find it you could find it though it's still everywhere every guitar center i go to has it but that's what i was going to say when it goes for like it'll go out of print for like eight months and then it all it'll rise to like a hundred dollars and then it comes back down to 40 bucks when they start coming around whatever i just i don't understand how like half their catalog is in print and then the other two records just they're just not available you could find they re-released opiate 
Uh, yeah, that's can, still out. That's yeah. out. They, but they just released it like recently. Undertow you can find pretty much anywhere. Lateralist you can find mainly on picture disc, dual picture disc. Mm-hmm. That seems to be how it's packaged. But yeah, you can't find 10,000 Days and you can't find um, uh, Enema. Yeah. You can get, there's bootleg copies out there, but it's, it's not, not yeah, they don't sound not, good from what I've heard. Don't buy bootleg copies, guys. It's not good. All right, so we're on to our uh, very last segment here because we just waxed poetic on that. <laughs> and you know what time it is, right? Yep. It, well, wait, we need somebody to, uh, here's a gentleman who's going to announce who he is. Hi there. My name is Unimportant. We had to bring him back just for one. Um, but yeah, you know what time it is. It's time for this song. still funny so good it's still funny and because nick <laughs> is nick we need to play this version of the this song sucks theme song I've decided that my favorite part of that is before the before the scream starts happening that it, that the chorus of Abracadabra starts <laughs> repeating. It's strategic, man. Everything's strategic. Uh, my my mom has dropped a question in the chat. Oh, has she? Oh, well, let's look at the comments. Tool has an album called Enema. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's spelled. Uh, I'm going to put it in the chat. It's spelled like anema, I thought, it's right? It's spelled just like this. Right, That's A-anima, right. Yeah. And the A and the E are that sort of strange diphthong symbol uh, where the A and the E are actually connected. So I picture all those guys being like, oh, we'll call oh, it an we'll call it an enema. And then that, so and yes, the, they, they actually did. Yes. Yes, Mary Kay. It's true. Um, <laughs> we come to you with uh, not only not only truths, but English. Yes. Um, so great. All right. This song sucks where great band shitty song, because again, as I say all the time, they all can't be zingers. So yes. Nick, which song sucks this week for you? OK, so this song is already on our list. Um but I just feel like it's shittiness. It is never discussed oh my God, enough. You're bringing back another one. Go ahead. And it's uh, Abracadabra by Steve Miller. Oh, come no. on. Okay. No, don't. You do that every week. So enough of that. No, I do have a song, though, that's on our list. But I'm gonna, I want to give you the context on why I'm bringing it up. Okay. So a local uh, radio DJ that who who is a friend of mine had did a fantastic interview yesterday with uh somebody who i think is just such a fantastic musician and player and everything and we, we were he sent me a um, a text message and he said do you have any questions for this individual and i said yeah i've got a couple and i gave him the the uh the questions that i had and and i said god the they're they're the ultimate band on my bucket list that i just don't think i'll ever get to see their records are so good and i just wish i could see them and the dj said yeah i agree i think they're an amazing band 
but they always have one song that's just fucking horrible on all of their records. <laughs> and on the particular record we were talking about, I said, I know what song it is. It's Mother on Synchronicity. <laughs> and he said, absolutely, you are correct. <laughs> of course, yeah. I'm talking about the police, Mother, Synchronicity, a perfect record outside of this track. Yeah, Mother is, for those the uninitiated, is the reason why this song sucks exists. You know, and it wasn't my vote. It was voted by my very first guest, Mike Tobin, uh, back in 2021, 2020. I don't know when the hell I started this thing. But it was 21. A long time ago. 21. It was a long time ago. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. This Awful. Song, that song really sucks. Actually, I, no, it was, I think it was 2020. That's I... Uh, I went toe-to-toe with you on this one because I didn't think it sucked that bad. And then the other day I was listening to Synchronicity and I was like, no, this does suck. It this does. is not it's good. It's so bad. And this is one of those things where, yeah, Synchronicity is such a perfect album. Like we were talking about before, you know, there's a song. All right, it's a perfect album, but this song kind of sticks out as not so good. And if you put it on any other album, it would be good. In this case, no. This song would be bad on every single Police album. Yep everyone and it's maybe it's maybe the worst of because i agree with what my buddy said like all the police albums have one tune where it's weak yeah and but this might be the weakest like this is is. like it without a doubt oh yeah it's the absolute worst police song i think ever yes it just is it just is it's just so bad and uh so it shouldn't exist but it does and I forgot to mention uh, the reason he was interviewing. He was interviewing Stuart Copeland. I didn't want to say Stuart Copeland because I knew I would give the song away. Uh, but he was interviewing Stuart Copeland. And uh, there's a. Did he ask him? Did he no, ask him? He didn't ask him about mother. Did he ask him but, about Miss Gradenko? I don't think he did that either. Yeah, he should have. That was a Stuart Copeland song. And that song is not so great either, to be oh, honest. Oh, that's Let's, the worst uh, song on that record. Um, no, that's on the same record. Mr. Danko's on synchronicity? synchronicity. Yeah, it's like the two songs that aren't written by Sting are obviously those two, and they're the <laughs> two the worst ones, songs on the album. All the <laughs> ones written by Sting are like number one iconic songs. Everyone, like every breath you take, wrapped King around your pain. finger, King of Pain, Synchronicity, Synchronicity Two, like all of them, like stellar hits, you know. But Except um, the two written by those guys. He was interviewing Stuart Copeland because they have a um, release coming out. I think it's this week or next week of um, police songs uh, reorchestrated for an orchestra. Oh, cool. Um, And Stuart Copeland oversaw the whole thing. So uh, it sounds like a pretty exciting release. I'll look forward to checking that out. That seems to be one of those things that like every band does now. But uh, I could see that I could see the police songs lending themselves uh, well to that. And if you're curious about which which one of my questions he asked Stuart Copeland, I wanted to know what it was like as a drummer to play behind Sting and then play behind Les Claypool because there's such different bass players. And he said, uh, he said, well, they're very different. You know, you have to approach it completely, completely differently. But uh, he actually said he was a bigger fan of playing behind Sting, which I was surprised by because that's kind of the, from what I understand, that's the um, headbutting in the police is Stewart and Sting. Yeah, but Sting also played more in the pocket and let the drums breathe, whereas Les Claypool is, let's just say, dynamic. 
as a bass player. He's all over the place. He's a lead bass player. He's yes. very John Enthwistle. It's oh, like yeah. that that kind of all over the place, but it works for him, but it wouldn't work for most. Yep. I think Sting doesn't get enough credit, actually, for the, the shit that he plays on bass while he's singing. It, it, like, super counterintuitive. Yeah. I, I, I think he's a brilliant musician. Just ask him. He'll be happy to tell you what a brilliant <laughs> musician he is. Last interview well, they, I saw with Sting, he was on with Rick Beato, and he started comparing himself to Bach. So, <laughs> well, he he's right. They both have letters in their name, and they both have vowels. That's kind of it. <laughs> right. So that's he's much like Bach in that respect. Um, and they both were uh, alive at one time. Um, they both know all twelve notes. Bach arranged them in a much better way. <laughs> yeah. And Sting can spell the word notes. So anyway, uh, my turn. My yes. turn for this song sucks. Uh, so this is, I'm just going to be straightforward. I hate this song. I heard it the other day again, and it just annoyed me because it's every, it's so formulaic, it's disgusting, and it's so formulaic within this band, it's even worse. So like you could steal from yourself and make it fresh, right? We talked about that. You know, we, like Depeche Mode, very much like that. One of the best albums I felt that's come out this year. Foo Fighters with some of that stuff that they put out in the new album. It, it's very Foo Fighters-y. But that's okay. This is so them that it's disgustingly awful and just a ripoff. And it's It's My Life by Bon Jovi. <laughs> I put that in this song sucks. You know, it's just, it's bad. It's bad. I, I hate it for the reason, just for the line, like Frankie said, I did it my way. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. and uh, But it made it just, it, so yes, I'm putting one in that's been in there before too. But it just came to me again as I was listening. I'm like, this song is so bad for so many reasons. And so many people like it and they're all wrong. They're just all wrong. I mean, it's just wrong. It shouldn't be. It should. It's wrong. Like I picture when they were doing that record, the producer was like, "Guys, I have an idea," and they were Let's all do gathered. Every song you've done already. I was gonna say he was like, "What if we just rewrite Living on a Prayer and we put it out because I bet you these motherfuckers will buy it again?" And they were like, "No," and he was like, "No, trust me." And they did, and it worked. It even has the same characters. Doesn't he yeah. bring up T Tommy and Gina in it? Yeah, he talks about them, yeah. Yeah, that it's, song it's does not a suck. Sequel. It's not a sequel. It's not a sequel. The song sucks. I'm sorry. It's just bad. And if I, if I, if I countered you the last time you brought it up, I apologize. I don't think you did. I think you definitely agreed that it wasn't good, but I you weren't as emphatic as you're being about it now. Cause, no, because yeah, I heard it the other day. It, like something triggered in me. Something it's just set me off. I'm like, all right, this is this is this is bad. We can't do this. We can't have this. And I just want to live while I'm alive. That's lyric bliss there. Bob Dylan, who? Yeah, really. But well, yeah, we oh can my ask god. Sting. Maybe Sting could. You know, it's just infuriating ways. that like Frankie said, I did it my way because, you know, if somebody asked Frank Sinatra about Bon Jovi, he'd be like, fuck that guy. Like hey, that guy with the hair. He's a pretty girl, you know. Yeah. But, you know, Frank Sinatra wasn't cranking up no better roses. No, you know? he was not. He was not. So Bon Jovi referring to him as Frankie, like their buddies is <laughs> they just. 
they they were buddies. It's uh, what did I say about um get over it remember by the eagles and he says old billy was right and it's yeah. william shakespeare yeah don't, don't talk to, don't talk about william shakespeare calling him old billy was right you know what i gotta say to that fuck you yeah right. that's right <laughs> i kept the loop on yeah that's you know what you know what also works That's the whole screen. I just, that. before we sign off, before we sign off, there's one more idea that I have that I think would be funny that we could at least, we could run it during the show. Everybody has been reaching out and saying, hey, Nick, you're going to go see Steve Miller when he's in town, right? What if I went and got some video of me, like, throwing things at Steve Miller? Uh, I don't want you to get in trouble. We are not sanctioning this on air. We're not sanctioning this on air. Hey, if I was going to get banned from the venue, it would be worth it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, we're on that note. We're gonna we're done. We're not sanctioning any sort of legal activity. We are not throwing things at Steve Miller. Um, yeah, let's just start the jingle, huh? All right, there we go. All right, that was Cover to Cover, episode 41, the best and worst of 2023 so far. My 41. name is Mike. Yeah. Damn. Uh, my name is Mike Venezia. That is Nick Morocco. Nick, what store do you own? Rock City Music Company. And where is it located? Five Mile and Farmington in Livonia, Michigan. And where can we find you? RockCityMusicCo.com and all social media platforms. Yay. Yay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So awesome when are we stuff. back? Uh, I think probably july 12th i think that july 12th right. yeah because i mean next week you're not able to do it and then it's fourth of july week and who wants to listen to us so and then we'll be back uh for the, uh, the july 12th i'll see if we can get a special guest going for that one but you'll know in advance just again hit uh subscribe and like and notifications and all that stuff and in the meantime we are going to bid you all a fondue and have a lovely fourth of july don't blow your hands off that would be very bad <laughs> 